This past spring, I did a three-day spiritual retreat with a pastor friend of mine named Mike who lives up in New York. We decided to meet, uh, you know, centrally between the two of us. So we went to Ricketts Glen, just a couple hours north of here to pray and the hike, the brainstorming, just in general, be an encouragement to one another. Now, on the first day after a, a long day of hiking the waterfalls, we settled into our Airbnb in the absolute middle of nowhere and decided that it was time to get some dinner. There was just one problem, though. Neither one of us could get cell signal, which meant we couldn't access the internet to figure out where it is that we could eat at. And of course, with no GPS, we didn't even know how to navigate around either. But that's when I remembered that I had seen a Dollar General store on the drive-in, and I thought, you know what, I, I think I could probably figure out how to get us back to there, and we can ask somebody there for some dinner recommendations. Well, sure enough, we find the store, and I kid you not, if this were a Hollywood movie and they had to cast the perfect woman, to play the part of a dollar store general employee working out in the absolute middle of nowhere, this young lady would have definitely gotten the role. Now, I asked her, you know, where do you recommend we go to dinner? And she said, well, there's a good place called RC's Bar and Grill just up the road. And she just stood there and paused. And I get reminded her that, hey, we're not around here. Can you give us some directions to RC? She said, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. She said, when you turn over a parking light, they're going to go, um, you're going to, and now she starts like using her hands, trying to figure out which way we're supposed to go. And she's trying to visualize it. And finally she says, uh, you, you need to go right. And then she says, you're going to travel for just a, a, a bit. And then there's going to be a Y in the road and you're going to go. And she's starting to use her hands again. And then finally she says, uh, you, you're going to, you're going to go left. Yeah. So you're going to go left and then you're going to go for a bit and the restaurant, it's going to be on your your, uh, your, your right-hand side. Well, this is the time I asked her, how long exactly is a bit? Which she said, oh, about a mile or so. Well, as Mike and I walk out of the store, we're both laughing and wondering, do we even have the courage to try to follow these directions or not? But finally, we decided we got nothing else to lose. So down the road we go and we go for a bit, you know, out of the parking lot. And sure enough, just up the road, there's a Y. And so we go left. I mean, so far, so good. The restaurant's supposed to be just a, a little more than a mile on the right-hand side, but a mile goes by and two and three. Still, there's no restaurant. Now our choice is, do we continue on or do we head back? Well, we decided to continue on. I mean, we're hungry. Sure enough, eight miles later, there's RCs on the right-hand side. I mean, one mile, eight miles, I can see how she may have gotten them confused. Now, my point in telling you this story is that Today, we are continuing in our series that's in the book of Proverbs, and I think that my story helps to illustrate two different things. The first is that, you know, many people come to churches and they're looking for direction in their life. And according to Solomon, who wrote most of Proverbs, that's what wise people do, is they look for directions. You know, like Mike and I did in the story, you admit that, hey, I'm lost. I need some help here. I have no idea where I'm at. Can you point me in the right direction? But if you think about it, that's actually the easy part. The next thing you have to do is have the courage to actually go on the journey, no matter how confusing the directions may seem, and no matter how long it takes for you to actually get there. Now, thankfully, God's directions to us in Proverbs are a lot easier to understand than the dollar store general lady. But again, the question becomes, will you have the courage and the guts to actually live out the directions that God has given to you? Let's be very clear, though. When you're not following God's directions, you are lost. I mean, how many of you have ever been lost before while you're out, you know, driving around somewhere? I mean, I'm sure it's happened to all of us. It's no fun. It's nerve-wracking. You get anxious. And life is no different. Andy Stanley, in his great book, The Principle of the Path, he makes three observations about this topic. First is that nobody ever gets lost on purpose. 
I mean, that makes sense, right? You never say, you know what, today I think I'm going to go out, I'll go to the gym, then I'm going to go to this grocery store, and go get lost on the way home then. No, you don't do that. When you get lost, it was never planned or scheduled. It's just that somewhere along the way, a mistake was made, and now you're lost. The second point that he makes is that you're lost for a while before you realize that you're lost. I mean, if you make a wrong turn and then immediately recognize that you made a wrong turn, that's not being lost. That's just a mistake, which can quickly be fixed. If you're truly lost, you've actually been lost for a while. But then you slowly but surely begin to realize, wait a second, something doesn't seem right here. I've never seen that landmark before. I think I should have passed such and such by now. Or I'm driving straight towards a setting sun, which means I'm going west and I'm supposed to be heading east. In other words, it's almost like your eyes suddenly pop open and you become aware that something just isn't right. I'm lost. Now, up until that point, you were confidently driving. But it turns out your confidence had you going down the wrong path, which is something that we've got to be careful to avoid in our lives. I mean, no wonder David prays in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, these words. Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and know my thoughts. See whether I'm on an evil path, and then lead me on the everlasting path. If you think about it, that's a prayer of humility. Humility to say, God, I'm not always going to be thinking straight. God, sometimes my thoughts and my thinking are going to be confidently leading me down the wrong road. So God, please, when that is happening... Please correct me and help me to see the right way that I need to go. The next point then is that the wrong road never takes me to the right place. You say that again. Very, very important. The wrong road never takes me to the right place. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? If you're planning on driving to Tennessee from here in Harrisburg, you don't get on 76 East, the turnpike, heading towards Philly. No, you get on 81 and you start heading south. And that makes so much sense when it comes to driving. But it's amazing when it comes to our life, people say things like, well, I'm discovering my own truth. I'm on my own path. I mean, I know this isn't what God's word says to do, but I've got peace about it in my heart. In other words, sometimes people confidently feel like they're heading in the right direction. But again, the wrong road will never take you to the right place. Next, my direction, not my attention, determines my destination. Again, my direction, not my intention, determines my destination. Important for us to understand this. I mean, basically, you could be very, very sincere, but sincerely wrong. Let's go back to the driving to Tennessee illustration. Your intention is to get to Tennessee so you can enjoy a a wonderful vacation. And you can sincerely in your mind believe that 76 East, the turnpike, is the correct road for you to take. But it simply isn't. Now, it doesn't make you a bad person, but the direction you're heading is not going to get you to your destination, no matter how sincere you are or how pure your intentions are. Now, if you make a mistake like this when it comes to your vacation, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really all that big of a deal. Life is going to go on. But if you make a mistake like this in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, in your career, in your walk with Jesus... It can be devastating and have a long-lasting impact that's going to impact you for months, years, possibly even decades. Good news, though, is it's not too late to change your direction if you find yourself going down that wrong road or that wrong path. Which brings us then to Proverbs chapter 7. So if you got a Bible you want to turn there in today, that's where we're going to be hanging out, Proverbs chapter 7. As you're doing it, let me give you just a little bit of context. 
This is actually written by Solomon, who is now a bit older and wiser, and he's watching a young man heading down a path that Solomon knows is not going to end well. We read about it in Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to begin with verses 6 to 9. Here's what Solomon writes. He says, From a window in my house, I look through my screen. I noticed many naive young men, but one in particular caught my eye because it was obvious he, he lacked common sense. He crossed the street on a path towards the house of a woman known for immorality. It was now twilight, and the sky was growing dark. Basically, this young guy is doing what many of us do. And that is, how close can I get to sin, but that actually crossed the line in the sin? It's almost like we're praying a prayer, Jesus, keep me from sinning. I mean, I knew I'm walking the wrong way and the wrong path, heading towards temptation, but Jesus, I don't want to sin, but I sure want to get close to it. Remember, it's not your intention that matters. It's the direction you're headed. That's what's going to determine your destination. Yet so many people today ask the wrong questions. Questions like, how far sexually can I go with my boyfriend or girlfriend before it's crossed the line in the sin? Or how many drinks can I have so I'm not yet drunk, so I haven't crossed the line in the sin? Or how much money can I withhold from God by not tithing before I've actually crossed the line and now he's actually put a curse onto my finances? So Solomon, he's, he's watching this young man who thinks he's headed towards the, the night of his life. But what this young man doesn't realize is that this is not a one-time event. No, he is on a path which will lead to a very predictable destination. Solomon continues then in verses 10 to 14. The woman came out of the house dressed seductively and with one thing in mind. She was one of those women who are loud and restless and never stay at home, who walk street after street waiting to trap a man. She grabbed him, kissed him, and with no sense of shame, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. Basically, what she's saying is, I went to the church and I made things right with God today. So let's party. Let's have fun. Let's do whatever we want. Let's refill the sin bucket, so to speak. So then next week, I can just go back to church and I'll ask God to forgive me all over again. Listen, what she's doing and what many of you possibly are doing right now, that is not a great attitude. It's it's not, you know, that you have a relationship with Jesus. At the very most, you're just being religious. You see, when you're truly in a relationship with someone, you don't take advantage of the grace that's offered toward you. You don't just keep doing things that's going to hurt that other person because your attitude is, oh, well, they're going to forgive me anyway. No, we don't do that. When you're in a real relationship, you go out of your way to love the person, honor the person, do whatever you can to do only things which are going to please them and then avoid the things which are going to displease them. Don, hey, Gord, I understand that, but you know, sometimes it feels like God's laws are a little restrictive. I mean, I, I want to live a little. Okay, I hear you in that, but think of it this way. How many of you like own a dog or you've ever owned a dog? Just type that in chat if you ever had a dog. I mean, I would assume that that's most of us. Another question I'm going to ask you is, how many of you made sure that there was a fence or at least a, a long leash that was out in your yard so, like, when you wanted to let your dog outside to run around or go to the bathroom without you being uh, there, you, how many of you had something like that? Uh, again, I would assume that that's most of you. And the question is, why did you do that? Why do you have a fence? Why do you have them on a leash? Is it because you hate your dog and want to restrict their fun? No. You do it because you know that within your yard, they're going to be safe. But outside of your yard exist things like cars and trucks that may not be paying attention a little fluffy as they're crossing the street. In other words, you put up boundaries because you love them and you want them to be safe 
within those boundaries. And same with God. He can see things and he knows dangers that you just simply are not aware of. And so his word is all about not just us being in a relationship with him, but a safe, loving relationship where we can fully maximize this life that he's giving us. But Solomon, he's watching this young man and he's being wooed by somebody who's saying, outside of the boundaries is so much better. Solomon continues on in verses 15 to 20 with further words that this seductive woman speaks. Here's what she says. I've come out looking for you and here you are. I've made my bed with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Let's go there. Let's make love all night. Now here comes a plot twist. She says, my husband is traveling. He's far away. He took a lot of money along and he won't be back home before the middle of the month. So, I mean, this story, I mean, it's getting wilder. Turns out she's not just a prostitute. She's married as well. And she's been hiding all of her illegal activities behind her husband's back. So for this young man, the sinful path that he's on has just become even more complicated and complex. Same is true for you. Oftentimes we try to look down the path to see what possible consequences of our sin are going to be. But listen, that's never an accurate picture. It's always far more complicated and complex than what we could ever possibly imagine. We think uh, a little bit of sin really isn't going to hurt anything, but we often get that measurement wrong. And not only do we get it wrong and it hurts us, but it hurts many other people as well. Solomon then continues on in verse 21. So she seduced him with her persuasive words and enticed him with her sweet talk and flattery. This guy thinks he's in for the time of his life. He thinks he's a, a rock star. He thinks that he's James Bond. But Solomon, this older, wiser man, he knows better. And in verses 22 to 23, he says this, if once he followed her like an ox on the way to be slaughtered or like a fool on the way to be punished and killed with arrows. He was no more than a bird rushing into a trap without knowing it, that it would cost him his life. I mean, if Solomon could have talked with this young man beforehand, the kid would have probably said, you're just an old fuddy-duddy. What do you even know? And besides, stop judging me. You do you and I'll do me. But Solomon would have said, listen, these truths are timeless and the wrong road never leads you to the right path. I want to say the same thing to you. No, I don't know you like you know you or how God knows you. But I do know that your intentions, no matter how pure or sincere they are, they don't matter. What does matter is what path you're on today, because that's going to determine the destination that you end up both now and for eternity. Solomon's saying, man, I've seen it a thousand times. As a pastor of nearly 24 years now, I'm saying, I've seen it a thousand times. Your sin is not a one-time event. It's a path that you're going, and that path is going to lead to a very predictable, dangerous, and often destructive destination. Now Solomon then switches gears and he talks to his sons that he's been telling this story to, verses 24 to 27. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your hearts stray towards her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many, many men, and they have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Solomon is sharing the story as it relates to the sexual sin of all kinds. And maybe for some of you, that's what you need to hear here today. But really, this story applies to all of us in all kinds of sin. And so the, the question as we begin 2024 is this, is the path I'm on ultimately going to take me to where I want to be? Again, is the path I'm on ultimately going to take me to where I want to be? Ask this question about your marriage. 
your parenting, your finances, your fitness, about your walk with Jesus. Is the path I'm on ultimately going to take me to where I want to be? Such an important question. So right now, close your eyes as I remind you of the words that David spoke to us earlier from the Psalms. Here's what he said. Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and know my thoughts. See whether I'm on an evil path, then lead me on the everlasting path. For some of you right now, your spiritual eyes are being opened that, oops, I've been lost and haven't even realized it. And you know what? If that's you, congratulations. Now you know. And here's the good news. God forgives you anyway. He, he doesn't want you to remain there, though. And so today is the day to exit that path that you've been on and allow him to guide you onto his path and into his way. And thankfully, he's given us the Holy Spirit to act as an internal GPS to lead us where we need to go. And so from now on, listen to the voice of the Spirit and then just simply trust and obey. In fact, there's an old song that says that very thing. Trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. That said, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for, again, the, the modern technology that we have that allows us, as we're having this snow day here in the mid-Atlantic, to still be able to gather together and to worship you through music and the hearing of your word and digitally giving online there. And we've got prayer that's happening and people in the chat having fellowship with one another. And so, uh, Lord, help us to always be reminded that the church is not a building. The church is your people gathered together. And yes, it's so much better to be in person. And we're looking forward to that hopefully again next week. But Lord, again, we just thank you that we were able to have this opportunity today to worship together in this way. Now, Father, I pray that your spirit has been uh, speaking to each of our hearts and our minds and our lives that, Lord, some of us, our, our spiritual eyes have been opened. They go, oops, I'm lost. I've been going down the wrong path. Lord, I pray that as people's spiritual eyes are being opened, as you're convicting them of sin and being on the wrong path, the Lord, you would also remind them of your grace, your grace that says, if you'll confess your sins to me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. God, your spirit is speaking that right now to people. And so help them to confess their sins. But Lord, help them not to remain there. Help them to understand that a part of being in a good relationship with you is turning from our sins. Now, scripturally, we would call that repentance, that God, I've been on one path and now I'm turning and going beyond your path. And so, Lord, like Mike and I had to do with the, the instructions that we were given, they were confusing sometimes, and, and it was a lot longer along the journey than what we thought it was going to take. Lord, help us as we're obeying your word, even the parts that are confusing, or maybe we're not seeing change as quickly as what we'd like. Help us just to be continued, to, to go down that path, to have the courage and the guts just to continue on, continue listening to the still, small voice of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you lead and you guide and you direct us into all the ways of truth and of righteousness. Continue to speak to us and continue to give us the courage to obey. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why? Well, thanks again for tuning in today on this uh, snow day. Hopefully you got a lot out of today's message. I want to encourage you to come in and join us next week as we continue this series in the book of Proverbs. Again, hopefully we'll be open at our Harrisburg location that you can come in person and worship with us there and, and hear the continuation of this series. But if you can, for whatever reason, join us uh, in person and continue to join us online. And what we're going to look at next week is the the value that friendships have in our lives. That we talked today about, you know, making good decisions and being on the right path. 
what we need to realize is who we allow into our lives, who our friends are, oftentimes that determines what direction we're going to take. And so we're going to look at, there's plenty of stuff in Proverbs that talk about choose your friends very, very carefully. So how do we choose friends that are going to lead us towards God and not only ways they're going to lead towards destruction? So hopefully you'll join us uh, next week at 10 a.m. as we continue the series. That's it. I hope everybody has a great week. God bless you and a very happy new year to you. God bless.